When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Last night just had, it was a fluke. Fluke. Oklahoma had a lucky night defensively. I'm glad you think so. They got away with one. Good for them. They they really, 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 really got away with one. Like, oh, I mean, Porter Mosier, the most getting it away with ever. Yeah, Porter Mosier d- did not. The, the message wasn't relayed to Porter Mosier. He didn't get the memo. And that is when you play in Manhattan, you lose. Yeah, dude. What's the story there? Going a little off script. I mean, he and Long Kruger obviously didn't have that talk. No, they didn't. Of no. When you come into Manhattan, you can play well. Right. You can make it a good game. Sure. But you don't leave with a dub. And I believe now he's won two games Oof. in Manhattan. Won the first one and then won yesterday and now in his third year. Porter freaking Mosier. Yeah. He fell down at one point. <laughs> Fell down. He did. He also, uh, man, he's one of the more interesting coaches to experience as the public address announcer, just watching how they do things. Yes. Porter Mosier, I swear to God, four or five times had to ask somebody. He just turned around and somebody says, did he make a free throw? Obviously not because they're going the other way here. <laughs> I didn't uh, make the three free throw. Obvi- but wow. though I will mention this, we have ended our streak of two straight games of him getting angry with me because he misheard my announcement and thought a foul was on a particular player, and they pull him out because of foul trouble. And they're like, oh, I thought he said this. So they put the player back in because they weren't in foul trouble. Porter freaking Mosier. He's a character. I kind of don't like him now if he's going to be trying <laughs> to blame you for stuff. Dude, I I don't like that. And I guess it could have been worse free throw wise. Did you see what happened at uh, DePaul, the DePaul basketball game? No, what happened? Um, a guy thought they were shooting. It was a one and one. I think it what what it was. He got the rebound and he threw it back to the referee. Like DePaul guy grabbed a rebound off a free throw and threw it back to the referee for him to like inbound it. And he was like, no, that was a live ball you caught. He thought it was like... What the, was everybody else's reaction? Everyone Did was they like, just, what are you they just stood there? <laughs> yeah, everyone was like, what just happened? This is DePaul where they already unloaded their coach. So, yeah. 
They're going to – Rod Strickland. They need Rod Strickland bad, man. Oh, my. So either, yeah, last night was just a fluke or it was all the refs' fault. Man. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale, David G., and Owen Burke on the board today. Ooh. Yeah, uh, gee, how much of that was payback for uh, Coach opening his mouth on Saturday? Yeah. There was a vendetta. Yeah, got a busy show. We're only uh, we're only on until five thirty. You got something, Owen? There's, no, he's laughing. This guy's this guy's trying to start something. No, I, I'm yeah. just saying. It's like, well, he's not the first I've heard say that. Yeah, so. it, I, I'm just saying. It's like a, it's like it's kind of like if your favorite football team <laughs> didn't even show up for the game in wrestling, you, and then you are standing there and you're like, "Come on, guys, let's go get them!" And then I, they don't go get them. Yeah. Well, D. Janowen can they'll relate to this here. Uh, to use some wrestling lingo, that could be called a receipt. Oh, yeah. Getting one back. Oh, yeah. I got, yeah. I got one. I think I scared off. I was stuck at work watching the game on Sunday. I think I scared off a couple customers probably. But <laughs> this one is. Oh, yeah. His, his, his Ravens. Yeah. Dunzo. They were like, yeah. um, do you have this kind of baseball bat? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to use it here in five yeah. seconds. Yep. If you don't get it, my face. Yeah. All three TVs smashed. Yeah. Gone. I'm so excited to call later on. Ask him how he's doing with the defensive coordinator heading out uh, to Seattle today. God, it just gets worse. We yeah. can talk about it later. Let's talk about it later. We got a busy show. We're only on until 530. K-State women, the number two team in the nation, going to get one back in Norman tonight when they face the Oklahoma Sooners uh, from Lloyd Noble Center. That tips off a few minutes after 6 o'clock. Of course, coverage right here on K-Man. Mm-hmm. Boys of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis will join us at 440. Guys, it's Wednesday, and you know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight from my favorite place to visit in the United States, New Orleans, Louisiana, the UNO Lakefront Arena Mm -hmm. on campus of the University of New Orleans. Also means we're joined for one segment today, Derek Young from K-State Online. D.Y., let's actually lead off with talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, because Will Howard had his first press conference with the OSU media uh, yesterday, you, you brought that to my attention, but I haven't listened to it yet. Did uh, Will say anything interesting? It, it depends on how you want to interpret what he had said, right? It Because it was, I think some of the questions were a little bit more of the guided nature that probably steered him down a little bit of a, a path that potentially he didn't want to go down. But, you know, asked about the receivers, he's, he prefaced it by saying, you know, I would I love my guys at Kansas State and I would never say anything bad about them. And then he went on to almost insinuate that Ohio State's receivers are more driven, work a little bit harder, and even used the, the you know, the, I think, uh, phrase, they actually beg to, to catch balls from me. Okay, so yeah, you can interpret that as something thro- throwing some dudes under the bus. At the same time, what can you find a transfer that has ever gone somewhere else and not talked a little bit more highly about what he's now playing with compared to what he previously had? Yeah, absolutely. We've heard it from the transfers that come into Kansas State, whether it be Juju Brents or you know Keegan Johnson. So, and I, I really don't think he was trying to be that vindictive. But let's be honest, he probably got to Ohio State, saw some of those dudes at wide receiver. I was like, whoa, I didn't have those at Kansas State. Mm. I think that's probably pretty accurate. It could be taken as slightly harsh, but is he wrong? I mean, I think that's uh, – I, I wouldn't say he's necessarily wrong. Um, 
You know what? Since we're on the topic of football, is the Cats gonna are they gonna get that 2025 tight end in Lincoln Cure out of Goodland, the number one or number two, depending where you look, number one, uh, number two player out of the state of Kansas for 25? I think he's number one. In, well, it's tough between him and Andrew Babalola, the mm-hmm. offensive lineman out of Blue Valley Northwest, who who by the way was offered by Georgia today. Um, those two are, I think. Probably who are fighting it over one and two. Some would like to put Deshaun Brain, the tight end from Derby, in that discussion as well. Also a sensational offer sheet. Also considering Kansas State. Um, Cure, the number two tight end in the entire country, if you're looking at on three. I think Kansas State lands him. I don't know when, but I think Kansas State lands him. Was it yesterday or two days ago that like, the whole staff was on a private jet out to Goodland to visit him? Yeah, yeah. It must be nice, right, too. Just like... Because I wish, like, you know, oh, I got to drive four hours. No, I'm going to take a private jet instead. Have you? you know, I wish I had. Have I you ever had that luxury? Have you ever been on a private jet? No. Have you? Is, no. is it really is it as luxurious as I want to make it sound, or is it kind of overrated? I don't know. I once made a, uh, like, a half attempt to arrange something when last year K State played KU in football here. And it was the same day as Manhattan High played in the state championship. And I, it, it could have been a tight turnaround. I was going to maybe try to say, hey, has anybody got a plane that I can quickly get back to Manhattan with? Didn't need it. I had plenty of time to get back, even though the game went to overtime. But no, I don't even, I've barely even seen a private plane in person. Uh, when I go on some of these basketball trips, I, I typically, uh, now it's not a private plane, but I always see their chartered plane that's next to ours. So they're getting ready to leave as well. Yeah. I've only sat first class one time also. It's been a long time. Uh, D.Y., obviously the big topic is the Oklahoma loss yesterday. The Cats have now lost three in a row. Just extremely rough offense, missing shots, not getting good shots. Running offense was super tough against Oklahoma. Sooners were trying to play lights out defense and did a good job with that. But heading into the game, did you like the matchup for K-State? Did you like K-State's chances of pulling off that win? I did. I thought that they would respond well to the two road losses. And I thought, you know, being back in Bramlage Coliseum where they've only lost two games total under Jerome Tang and only one conference game ever there under Jerome Tang, I expected a better performance. And when they came out and basically didn't score for what the first eight or nine minutes, I knew that they were in for it. Now, there was times in the first half where I thought it was getting away from them and I was getting a little worried, but I always thought that they would come back and make it a pretty competitive game. And then when they did that and not and closed the gap to 51 to 44 and got two defensive stops, I actually, I mean, I'm dead set honest with you. I actually thought they were going to win that game when they closed it to within seven. And then Oklahoma, what, they missed two three-pointers? All you had to do was get a rebound. Um, they didn't get one. It turns out, uh, you know, they get the extra points there. And then Kansas State... I think Tyler Perry, what he dribbles it out of bounds. Oklahoma comes down, scores off another offensive rebound. And then I think that is when I believe it was Arthur Kaluma threw the ball in to nobody and it just rolled to half court and Oklahoma got it. And then I think got a three point player, missed a free throw, um, but it added more points. That was just an ugly 12 1 stretch of basketball there that ultimately sunk Kansas State's ship. So that's where it broke. But it was startling to me that it broke right after I thought they were going to win because they closed the gap to seven. But once they did that, they, they couldn't have played worse basketball. 
Yep, I saw the same thing. As a matter of fact, when K-State cut it down to seven, I looked over to Brett, who's the producer of the whole show, and I, I looked at him and said, we're going to win. Because, uh, they, I mean, they were scratching and clawing and fighting, even though it really wasn't hitting shots still. Tyler Perry was trying to take over the game, and he scored over 20 points, put a lot of effort into that fight. But, I mean, Cam Carter yeah. and Arthur Kaluma couldn't hit shots. What you know, Offensively to you, I know there's a number of things. Is there one at the top of the list that you find to be the biggest issue with the offense? Uh, the ball gets stuck. They're not, not enough ball movement, but not enough threats to score. Like, think about the starting lineup. Cam Carter, threat to score. Arthur Kaluma, threat to score. Tyler Perry, threat to score. How big of a threat to score is really David Gasson or Will McNair? If I'm the other team, I don't feel like I have to worry about them as much. So it just feels like there's a little bit of a personnel, you know, debacle here too. And some of that, hey, if Quez Glover was available... If Naquan Tomlin was available, then you have five threats to score on the field on the court at the same time. Um, there's a little bit more space. There's less doubles. So, you know, there's more room to operate. So for me, it's a little bit of a personnel thing. I realize that they probably have to play two bigs some of the time because of this personnel stuff. I'm talking between like Terrell Colbert, David Gasson, and Will McNair. But this team is better when David Gasson plays the five. But they don't have the liberty of always doing that. And then their backcourt, they have some dudes. But they also, some of those dudes are so young that they're not necessarily ready for a large quantity of minutes. I'm talking about Day-Day Ames. And I'm talking about R.J. Jones. So some of it's personnel-driven. Some of it's a lack of execution where you're, the ball's getting stuck, you're dribbling too much, those kinds of things. And I think part of it, and I think there's, you know, starting to point it out. I think part of it's got to be on the coaching a little bit. And I hate pointing the finger at any one person or any one part of a team. But at some point, when you go an entire first half with only, you know, in my estimation, what, three, four good looks the entire half it felt like. Now there was probably more a little bit late. And that's how they stretched out their number to 19 points by the break. But everything felt so hard. And even when it didn't feel hard to score, you get an open look at Arthur Kaluma and he airballs it by about five feet. So it was a combination of personnel stuff, a combination of poor execution with not enough player movement or ball movement, a combination of the coaches not doing a good enough job in the preparation department to find other ways to create matchups and find guys open. And some of it was apparently it was just never going to be their night because, like I said, that air ball by Arthur Kaluma came up uh, very, very short. That was an air ball by a massive amount of space, and he was open when he actually took that one. Arthur Kaluma and Cam Carter yesterday combined three of 20 from the floor. Just, yeah, both of them, it just wasn't their night. And we've seen this from Tyler Perry where he kind of turns into that running back that will run to the right. It's not there. Now he's running to the left, and he's he's running 40 yards to pick up five yards on the play, and he's not picking up first downs. Um, Tyler Perry putting in a lot of effort. He did get actually some layups to the hoop and draw some and ones. It's really the first time we've this, this season seen him pull off those kind of plays. Um, got a couple more for you, D.Y. Um, I know you're a big body language guy. In an article that you posted on uh, Case in Online, you did – 
mentioned that and it just didn't look good in that second half and towards the end of the game. I'm sure you know this team is pretty stressed out. If you're Jerome Tang, though, how how stressed out are you right now about these three losses? The offense just isn't looking good right now. You know, piled on with all the drama that took place last month. You know, I don't I don't know. And Jerome Tate doesn't really strike me as a guy that gets too stressed, but I would just say, like, there there was the feud over the Naquan Tomlin stuff. There's back-to-back, you know, pretty critical injuries to Quiz Glover. There's the the feud with T.J. Otzelberger. There's the remarks about the officials following the loss to Houston publicly and then having to, just a few days later, walk those back and, uh, and apologize because you're not following the right protocols. All I am saying is that I do think there's a we've reached that time where this they kind of need to return back to that program of joy, bring back a little bit more stability and composure, and control what you can control. Focus on the basketball and keep it on the basketball. I I think that's probably necessary. Some of the body language, I'm not going to. Unless it becomes a horrible trend, I'm not going to dwell on it too much. I thought some of it was a little poor towards the end of the game, but there was a lot to be frustrated about, and they've been through a lot that most teams don't go through in a season, and and you worry that that's maybe beginning to catch up. That's why I, I you know, I'm kind of saying let's get back to the basketball stuff. Let's get back to smiling, having fun, being that program of joy um, together, and have some composure and stability so that my players aren't stressed, that my coaches aren't stressed and we're all enjoying each other's company, enjoying life together. Cause that's when you play your best basketball and you just wonder if some of the distractions are, are catching up a little bit. And maybe I'm speaking out of turn and none of that's the case. And they could slap me around if that's true. Mm-hmm. You just wonder with some of the body language that I thought I saw is some of that's kind of catching up. So, you know, I, I think it's time, time to just get back to basketball and what works from a locker room culture standpoint that you've always done in terms of, you know, he got that from Scott Drew, you know, smiling, being about joy, everyone feeling good about themselves and feeling good about each other. In fact, I last night as I'm watching the first half sent out the tweet that noted that we're essentially at a milepost right now with this staff, and I, I put it down as three questions. Is the team done, not listening, or is it just the fact that you're hitting a stretch in the Big 12 that's not conducive to success? Yeah, and and, and I don't think this team is done or, or quit or anything like that. But I think even in, in the years that go to plan or go well, mm-hmm. you go through ruts. And hopefully this is just that, right? Because this team was pretty sharp last year, right? They They – for the most part, contended for a Big 12 title and went to the Elite Eight. And had every, They were the talk of the town. But even during Big 12 play at one point, I think it was the end of January, beginning of February, they lost four or five. And they were blown out by Oklahoma and Norman. So even the good teams do go through spells like this. I just, I'm trying to kind of find the anecdote for them and maybe the cause. And I, and I do think a return just back to the way that they conduct themselves and like to be around one another and they're just a little bit happier and joy and don't have to worry about distractions. I think a return to that is probably what the doctor ordered. 
All right, D.Y., we've reached our time. Appreciate you coming on once again, and we look forward to the conversation next week. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Derek Young from Case in the Line joins us here on the game. We've got Mitch Holtz, his voice of the Chiefs, coming up at 440. More on Case to Hoops when we come back on the game. Back on the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, and Owen Burke. We have the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtz, joining in us in about 10, 12 minutes or so. Um, Cats lose yesterday. I don't even think I've mentioned the score yet. 73-53 to the Oklahoma Sooners, a team that I thought in Mitch Palm was, you know, they can play good offense. They can play good defense. Right now, numbers say they're middle of the pack of the Big 12. Really, so does the Big 12 standings say that, as they're now 4-4 four and four in the Big 12 along with K-State. Um, but they had yet to find consistency. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. They were okay on offense, did not shoot the three well, but Oklahoma and We've seen this all season long, where early on in the year, with this five-out offense without having Naquan Tomlin on the floor, which would have benefited him the most out of anybody else, weaknesses have been exposed. And Oklahoma attacked that last night. I can't tell you how many times Tyler Perry, off, the, off, off a high ball screen, was double-teamed mm-hmm. and made uncomfortable. I will give credit to Tyler where he did not turn it over in those situations. But Oklahoma did a fantastic job of keeping K-State really just uncomfortable on the offensive side of the ball. It was an uncomfortable night. And I said it yesterday that, you know, K-State just needs to chill out on the turnovers because they're shooting the ball actually pretty decent right now. Their three-point shooting numbers are starting to climb. Um, You know, early on in Big 12 play, they did a good job of getting into the paint, getting paint touches, getting paint points. Uh, we've at, we've seen a lack of paint touches these last three games. It's it's more, and when I say more, it's like not a big jump or anything, but it is a little bit more three point shooting, relying on the three point shot, and it's been tougher to get guys open. Teams are selling out to K State make make them un, make them uncomfortable on offense because this team struggles to get around guys on the drive on the dribble drive. Tyler Perry struggles. To beat a guy one on one to the hoop, his, you know, and he really fought his tail off to ca- try to carry this team, and he did finish with twenty three points. 
the offense has many issues right now. To me, it all starts with the start of the game. They come out not scoring. And we've seen this three straight games now. It's been the same trend for these three straight games. Again, tough competition. One game was at home. Oklahoma is not as good as Iowa State and um, and Houston. But guys, in the last three games, taking the first five and a half minutes of the last three games combined, K-State's been outscored 31-4. to four mm, Jesus. To start games. It, it's been tough. They're not coming out making shots. They've turned it over a little bit. Not rebounding, but I thought rebounding and turnovers were a little bit better against Oklahoma. But Oklahoma wanted to contest shots. That left K-State taking some bad shots. And then when they were getting some open looks, they weren't making them. But even last night, and I agree with D.Y., I did not see this coming. I was not expecting this kind of performance. And if it, it's been brought up many times, the drum tang through a year and two-thirds, roughly, that he's only lost three games. Well, in all three of those games, K-State has played a really rough half of basketball. It was the second half against Texas last year um, where Texas scored 44 points. Uh, For K-State against Nebraska, it was a horrible second half where they only scored 12 points. And then it was really a first half against yesterday, obviously, because K-State didn't score for the first eight and a half minutes. Uh, that we watched last night K-State play uh, their bottom level of basketball. But also, you know, defensively, I know we want to get on the refs. The refs took a ton of heat last night. Um, Drum Tang calls out an official after the Houston game. And then on, you know, the game last week against Iowa State, I thought the officiating was horrible. Um but at the same time, you could blame the refs. I, you know, K State right now has a problem with defending without fouling, and K State now in three straight games have allowed its opponent to go to the free throw line at least thirty four times. You take the complaint about the officiating out of it, and the fact is, is that there is a book out for them even on how this team plays, and they're recognizing that right now this team is a step slow defensively, thus the foul calls. It really comes down to, okay, this is what the trends are with this team, and even the referees are picking up on that. I shouldn't say even, but you know they recognize what's going on and see that K-State's not in positions to be successful defensively right now. K-State free throw attempts the last two games Opponents have taken 112. K-State has taken 60. A major difference. But also, you know, first half of these last three games, or actually the last five, K-State has not held a lead in the last five games at halftime. Hmm. And three of those four, three of those five games have been at home. Two of them, they've battled back. To me, that's a big key. They, they put themselves in early holes. And now we've seen now for five straight games – them trying to just, you know, gloves off, throw them to the floor. It's a fist fight. We got to fight our way back into the game. And, I mean, the last three games, the deficit has been 16 points. I mean, you can take away the Houston game. Houston was just so on Saturday. They were just so on. Nobody was going to beat them. 
It was an even game in the second half, but was Houston totally invested? Probably not. They put up a great fight in Ames. And I thought against Oklahoma, we finally saw some frustration set in. They fought within seven. Oklahoma goes on a little bit of a run. Sloppy play by K-State. And now Oklahoma, all of a sudden, after they were just up seven, now they're up 11, 13 points. And it completely took the air out of Bramlage. People are leaving with seven minutes to go. And the team, I don't think, really wanted to be out there anymore. Maybe felt a little bit embarrassed because they had such a bad first half. So I know Jerome Tang has mentioned that there's things to address. This is on him. I think the players definitely need some accountability as well on this because of the the missed open shots that, boy, I mean, there were a number of shots where K-State was down to single digits. Would have been a huge bucket. The place would have blown up. You may have got Sandstorm or something, but the shots were missed. So, I don't know. This team is in a rough spot right now where they've entered a tougher difficulty of competition in Big 12 play, and they're not winning the games. And now, Saturday... I can't stress enough how needed that win is. Resume aside, let's not even think about that right now. That's not priority number one. I know the goal now is, you know, the, the midseason goals have shifted um, where now you're hoping you want 9-9. Nine and 9-9 nine. And nine and nine is a, a pretty respectable, you know, that's the magic number. 9-9, nine nine, that's the magic record to get to the NCAA tournament. I mean, Saturday is more than just, hey, if we lose this game, this is going to hurt our resume. They just need to get right. They need to go beat somebody. Mm -hmm. I mean, one win can do a lot for your team. But this team feels so down right now, just off body language, and Jerome Tang takes those late timeouts. I'm like, I I thought he was mad at Porter Mosier. That's what I thought it was. But he said he was trying to send a message to his team. They just need to get right right now, and there's a, not a lot going well right now. They've lost three straight, but again, they're 4-4. Four and four. It's not the end of the world. They're not giving up. I'm curious if today was a day that was set aside for rest and recovery and mental rest and recovery, given that you have until Saturday again. Mm-hmm. Um, just, a, just a thought. Or is this a day that it was back to the lab? Just curious what the approach was. We'll find out, but... Interested to see what, how the staff approached it. When we come back, we shift directions to the AFC Championship game. Mitch Holtis is going to let Owen know all about <laughs> the Ravens losing uh. the AFC Championship game to the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs are now off to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. The voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, is next. KMAN. Oh, look at your news radio K-Man area forecast. Currently 69 and fair outside tonight. Increasing clouds with a low around 44. Tomorrow, a chance of sprinkles between noon and 3. Partly sunny with a high near 67. Thursday night, partly cloudy with a low around 42. And on Friday, mostly cloudy, a high near 60. We've got more of the game up next here on News Radio KMAN. For the fourth time in five years, the Kansas City Chiefs will play for the whole enchilada. 
This year just happens to be in Las Vegas, Nevada, Super Bowl 58 in less than two weeks after the Chiefs beat the Ravens in Baltimore, 17-10. Now joined by the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. Mitch, before we get to the Chiefs, well, what's the uh, what do the Cats got to do to fix things basketball-wise offensively? Do you have the magic potion? No, and I didn't. Uh, I was listening to Wyatt and Stan. I was um, in a meeting late last night, but I was listening to him uh, for a good portion of the game. And it sounded like they were decent shots. Uh, they just they weren't hitting them. I, I think they're pressing it right now. You know, they were playing with such confidence that uh, those shots fall when you're playing with confidence. And I thought the Iowa State game, which that was like two teams with a stick beating on each other. I mean, that would have been a hard game. These, these games are hard to officiate. You can call a foul almost every time. It's like everybody's turned into West Virginian Bob Huggins. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Does it feel that way to you guys? Like everybody's just pulling and biting and you're going to call it. You can't call it every time. Uh, that's what it feels like. Teams are so physical now, but I, I just think that somehow they got to pull the chiefs off here, figure out a way to get some sets and early to easy buckets. Um, and not just launch threes easier said than done, but attack, attack the rack, um, early or get some mid-range twos that you think you can hit and then keep defending like crazy and try to create offense with your defense. I, th- that game was that game could have flipped last night. I felt like in that 15 minute to about 9 minute uh area, but uh they and there were shots. They couldn't get inside single digits for the longest time and, and just missed great opportunities. So there you go. Uh, get some sets, try to get some easy twos, try to go at the basket or mid-range twos and play great defense, create some defense, offense with your defense. Yeah, that's been a common denominator in the three-game losing streak. The Cats just uh, not enough paint touches, not enough paint success, too much in the half court going on for K-State to really get the offense going inside. Um, you know, Meanwhile, in Baltimore on Sunday, another AFC championship win after uh, I'm sure a lot were doubting the Chiefs in getting it done in Baltimore question is though are, are you still having fun with these or is it as fun as the first one or are you just now in a routine going to the super bowl no no i'm not <laughs> this is not a, not routine at all although i'm going to get into what is a little bit of routine that um i think is an advantage this week but uh, no you, when you go 21 years and don't win a playoff game you savor every second of it but this team this team's been it's its own personality to to win a game at minus 30 wind chill and then go to buffalo and win into that environment where they were waiting years for that moment and the same with philadelphia waiting not philadelphia but baltimore waiting since 1970 and then wanted to beat the chiefs in the worst way uh to get that done I mean, this team this chiefs team has unusual toughness and grit and resilience and i know that sounds um you know, that sounds cliche, but truthfully, 
that's what this team is. And it started the week of the Raiders game. And it started with the offensive line. After getting embarrassed against the Raiders, they were like, no more, no more, nope. Uh, and they've kind of led the way. And then the, getting the week off was big. I told you guys that. When they played and beat the Chargers, which was an infusion of adrenaline without playing all the starter guys, uh, and then having Mahomes and Kelsey back out and look at life from 30,000 feet, that just all those things have added to this five-game winning streak and playing for the show. I've heard it many times this year, Mitch, that Travis Kelsey, he's getting old, he's slowing down, he's not getting up as quickly as he used to, maybe he's not the best tight end in the NFL anymore. And then Sunday, 11 catches on 12 targets for a buck 16 and uh, a touchdown. Is Travis Kelsey still the man? Yes, he is. And all you have to do is watch one of the more incredible throws I've seen a quarterback make and one of the more incredible catches I've seen a pass catcher make on the touchdown of 19 yards. And Kyle Hamilton couldn't play it any better. He was there with outstanding coverage. Uh, and then Mahomes made a spectacular throw and. um uh, Kelsey made an unbelievable catch. Now, that, that week off, remember, Kelsey did something that was uh, unselfish. He could have gone for the record uh, in the game against the Chargers. He decided not to. And people go, well, he, all he has to go out there is win or get two catches and then run off the field. Well, that's not the way it works. He's going to be getting warmed up and use a lot of fuel. Instead, he said, no, what? you know, the rest is better. He's, he's been a different guy since that game where he got to back up and rest um, in that final game against the Chargers. I've never seen him so juiced and fired up for a game like I was this week against Baltimore. I mean, it was William Wallace um, <laughs> waiting for the Brits to show up. Like, he was screaming. I'm like, man, beware of dog. Everybody stay away from Kels. And then he sees Justin Tucker out there messing with his quarterback, and he's like, get your stuff out of here. I mean, that was that was weird. But Kels wasn't going to take any crap from anybody. In fact, that was the big key of that game. The Chiefs took the fight right to the Ravens. Ravens didn't like it. And when the Chiefs got up 10 points, the Ravens really lost their poise. Well, I mean, I'd love to get your thoughts on just the defense and the way they perform. I mean, holding the Ravens to 10 points is big. But also, I mean, to me, the big stat was three turnovers that seemed like at least two of the three couldn't have been at a better time. Well, and they're and they're – no question, but the play by, by Snead is big time. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's unfortunate that a minute who gets hurt, but his turnover, we didn't get the score on. But the play by Snead's big time. Like, in Zay Flowers, like, he's played in one playoff game. That's one. And he gets a 54-yard gain, and he's going to spin the ball in Snead's face yeah. and then push him down and do the dog fire hydrant thing. What? And then two plays later, he gets stripped of the ball, or and now he's over-despondent on the bench. Well, well hello? It's the AFC Championship game. But those are big-time plays. And then the last, oh, the, the interception in the end zone uh, was just Lamar Jack making a big mistake. And with Deion Bush, a guy who's been a journeyman and special teams guy to get the interception. Uh, so uh, that, was, you know, that was awesome for Deion. But, uh, yeah, the Chiefs, it goes back to our discussions we had all throughout the year. And the Chiefs... <laughs> If people are like, what's wrong with the Chiefs? They're messed up. They're no good. Um, let's see. They lead the league in drops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they've got the most offensive holding penalties in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh, they're minus 11 in the giveaway-takeaway ratio. Uh, they've uh, And so, and I, but I'm going, wait a minute. They've won nine games. At that point, they've won nine games and, and we're ready to win the division. 
So it must mean there's a pillar somewhere or some concrete of getting them to the... And if they fix this other stuff, they look what the force they could be. Well, they fix the other stuff. They're not committing penalties. They had no false starts in Buffalo or against Baltimore or Buffalo. Zero. And they just didn't get behind the chains that much. They played awesome, and they forced turnovers. They're, they forced four in three playoff games, and they're plus two in the playoffs. So, But the concrete you know, was always there, and, and that's defense, and that's Kelsey, and that's Mahomes. Even if they're not playing at a high statistical level, they're still going to play at a high level uh, on a consistent basis. Mitch, I just want to point out real quick, our resident – Baltimore Ravens fan uh, Owen is 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 pouting a little bit. This is probably the roughest uh, interview he's ever had to sit through. So, like, what what's going on? I mean, his Ravens. I know he loves them and hang in there with them, buddy. But they lost their poise, and um, and and Lamar's got to do it. I mean, he's two and four in the playoffs, and until he gets that third one or fourth one or gets through this threshold of getting and winning a championship game. Don't don't say he's Mahomes. Not when Mahomes is fourteen and three, and gets and ties. Get this ties Peyton Manning, Terry Bradshaw, and uh, uh, John Elway with his fourteenth playoff win, and he's less than thirty years old and only in six years. Mitch, you mentioned uh, Charles Aminihue with the ACL tear uh, on the strip sack. Um, after that took place, I mean Chris Jones was playing more outside. Uh, but Felix and DK Uzama has been inactive for the postseason so far. So does this now turn into, I mean, do you expect this to be Felix now available, going to play in the Super Bowl and have an opportunity? Yeah, I, I think it, it will. And, again, he won't be out there 50 snaps. But if he can give them 15 good snaps, both on the interior and exterior, remember he can do both. You're going to need to do that against the 49ers. But I think he can actually be a force in this game and help them win. The other one that's interesting is Boydo has not been, he was active for Miami, but not the last two. And I just think it's if they want Nick Jones out there at the gunner position, but uh, I would expect Boydo would be inactive. But right now, I would think that it would be Felix uh, who would get a chance to uh, fill in for the Amenahu role. All right, Mitch, well, when does the, uh, the trip out to Vegas, when does the itinerary kick off? The itinerary kicks off basically when we landed the plane from Baltimore, okay. uh, truthfully. And let me, let me tell you guys this. This is something I don't think the fans, when we didn't go to this game and you're only dreaming of going to this game in, in 21 years without a playoff win, and maybe you guys have thought this too, why is there a bye week? Like, just play. Yeah. Like, we got to play. No, no. I've learned going to this game four times in five weeks, you need every second of the bye week. And the Chiefs have done an excellent job doing and handling the bye week. The football side, the business side, it's a ponderous amount of details that go into um, playing a Super Bowl and getting ready to play a Super Bowl. Just think about if you guys are going, hey, who's going to go? Friends and family, take care of your tickets. Where are they going to stay? How are they going to get out there? Well, all that gets done basically before Thursday morning. That'll be done before tomorrow morning. Kid you not. Like, get your stuff taken care of. Now, so the, the theme of this week is get your business taken care of so that next week we can take care of business. And I've said this, and I've learned this. You can't win the game this week, but you can lose the game during this bye week. Mm-hmm. If you don't handle your stuff, 
Because once you get wheels down in Vegas or any Super Bowl site, oh my gosh, it is a like the old floods of the Blue River uh, before Tuttle Creek. <laughs> it will wash you away because next week is nothing but a distraction. And there are external distractions and there are uh, media distractions and NFL requirements. So you get swept away to the point you even forget there's a football game. That this week, this bye week, take care of your business. And uh, the Chiefs have been excellent at that. Well, Mitch, we're coming up on a break. Uh, once again, I appreciate your time here on the show, and I know soon we'll have an actual game, an actual Super Bowl to talk about. So looking forward to the next conversation. And, Mitch, thank you for your time. You got it. We'll chat next Wednesday, and uh, we'll know more and get ready to try to win the uh, a fourth Lombardi trophy for the franchise. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Mitch. You bet. Thanks, guys. Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holt is here on the game, and let's go ahead and end hour number one and uh, and get to a break. Uh, we have a short hour number two, but we'll get back to K-State Hoops, not just the men, but the women are playing uh, tonight at Oklahoma, and that tips off at 6, while we'll pregame coverage beginning at 5.30. And ask us anything, we'll wrap up the show. Short hour two next on the game. You're locked into the game on News Radio. It is a short hour to the game, the game after work. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, David G., and Owen Burke. We can squeeze in a call or two if you want to chime in about the Cats. 537-1350 is the phone number. More hoops here in just a moment. Owen, how are you doing after the AFC (laughs) Championship game? You're three days removed of the pain and suffering that took place. How are you? Um, That's a great question. Thank you for asking, firstly. Um... I'm doing okay now. Um, it got worse today. Mike McDonald took the Seahawks job, um, so we lose. Got to expect that, though. Yeah, I know that that's that's expected. I was expecting more out of my own franchise, honestly. Um, every year that passes, more and more Ravens fans want John Harbaugh out. And <gasps> I know I've been a, a steadfast believer in Harbaugh for a while, but this is the one of the times where I kind of joined that crew. So I've been. We, we lost a front office guy to the Chargers, right? Jim Harbaugh's bringing in a guy that worked close with his brother. I was like, all right, move John up into that spot. I knew it wasn't going to happen because we're scheduled to play the Chargers this year, but I was like, move John up, make Mike McDonald the head coach, and I would have been happy. I knew it wasn't going to happen. As far as the game goes, I don't know what third grader was calling plays for us on Sunday, but uh, we handed the ball off to our running back six times. Um, our season low is 15 we're eleven and one when our running backs get more than twenty touches. We were three and four when they had under twenty. Season low six on Sunday. So, how would you feel about Lamar Jackson only carrying the ball eight times? I, I were mean, you expecting more. I wasn't honestly. Really, he, he hasn't been running the ball a ton this year. Like I said, well, yeah, you want to keep him healthy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I will say there were a couple times where I wanted him to run and he didn't. So there, it was a little bit of both where when I look at the box score, I was like, I'm okay with eight carries. Now watching the game, I'm, there's a couple plays that the strip sack by a minihue, if you watch a still of about probably three seconds before he got sacked, there are three running lanes open and 10, 20 yards of grass, and he, we, lose the fo- we lose the football there. And that was a tough one. The pick in the end zone was tough. Um and, you know, people ask him afterwards, do you feel like you were doing too much on that interception? Obviously, he's going to say no. My thing is, if you're not confident in the plays, your your offensive coordinator's calling for you all day and you got a seven-point game, would you try to do a little too much? I would. I mean, I'm, I'm, I might force the ball there. So, I don't know. I'm okay, but it was, it was definitely a rough Sunday. DG, our Chiefs fan, 
seem to be doing okay. You know, I learned something on Sunday. I learned how to spell out Lamar Jackson in sign language. That was DG grabbing at his throat. And oh, making, of course, it chokes out. Oh my God! Listen, how that's better sign language than what Eminem was uh, displaying yeah, on Sunday. He, he was not happy. Um, <laughs> I feel bad for the Lions fans, honestly. That one was too. for me. I mean, I don't want to dance on anybody's grave, but sure you uh, don't. That was brutal. The one they'll get it one day. One day. They're gonna get it, and they're gonna put it together. And boy, the Baltimore Ravens are gonna—they're gonna get to the Super Bowl, but not this year. I, that I was don't. Sad. I, the the Rokon Smith thing—that was wild. That was wild. This is two times in in Lamar Jackson's six years where I felt like this is our best shot, and both times our offensive play calling has just disappeared in that playoff game. Holy. Happened in 2019 against Tennessee. I don't know if we're going to get another shot, honestly. I mean, we're going to lose. We lose Mac McDonald this year. We probably lose Monk in next year, the year after. It just, it gets, you cannot lose these opportunities. And the Chiefs never do. So, ah. Spagnolo in, prepara- in preparations for the game, telling his defense, guys, we're going to try and make Lamar a pocket passer. He didn't realize that Harbaugh was just going to take care of that job for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. no kidding. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. I didn't think our offense would would do that as well. So, as far as Kansas City goes, honestly, I was more hurt by the fans after the game than I was by the game itself. Like because of the I, booing. Well, no, nah, it's not even. It's how people treated me afterwards. Because oh. I was on the show with Mitch last week. I'm the respectful fan, right? I know Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. I love the game. At the end of the day, I'll watch a good offense and enjoy myself. So I have coworkers and a couple buddies that are coming at me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was like, it's going to be a dog fight. You have the best quarterback in the game. But I feel like my guys played the best football in the last 10 weeks. I'm Mr. Respectful. And so, like, if you want to celebrate the win, celebrate the win. Post on Twitter. Do everything you deserve to be able to enjoy going to the Super Bowl for a fourth time in fifth year. Coming at me, I'm like, man. Hey, wait, those guys, you do me, sorry, but do me a favor. Mm. Those guys, you go back and you go. Tell them, go up to them and say, Scott Pioli. And if they don't groan and moan and go, oh, boy, yeah, uh, that's not a real Chiefs fan. Fair enough. It's just like Mitch said. There's a time where the Chiefs didn't do anything for 20 years. And so anybody that's like, hey, got you, got is a front runner and someone who doesn't understand that it is America. I mean, it's really to get to where the Chiefs have gotten these past seasons, like in a row, is un. It's incredible, and it could get it could be so much worse. Yeah, it I, could be so much worse. And for the Chiefs, it has been. I was a fan way back in the day, dude. I was a fan up until Tony Gonzalez left for Atlanta. I was like, man. all right, I have nothing to look forward to. Get me out of here. That I was, had a Larry Johnson jersey growing up. I Tom, uh, admit it. Dark, dark days. Yeah, dude, dark days. They, I, I know that fan base has <laughs> long suffered. Oof. So I've always been one that's like, I, I have buddies that are Chiefs fans. I'm like. If it's not me that's going to be happy at the end of the day, I'm glad it's somebody that I can root for. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that Sunday night, I was like, I think I've finally given into it. I might be a Chiefs hater come come Ooh. Super Bowl Sunday. Now, I think that was more the emotion talk, and we'll yeah. see how the next two weeks play out. Mitch didn't take any crazy jabs at me in the first hour, so <laughs> well, I'm, I'm if, living. If you choose to become a diehard NFL fan, mm-hmm. you have to be ready at all times for cheap shots. Yeah. From fans that aren't rooting for your team or yeah. rooting against your team. Yeah, 
that's the thing that sucked is I was expecting it people on Twitter, not my friends. I didn't expect my friends to turn the turn the barrel on me and I'm like, "Hey man, I've been nothing but nice all week long. <laughs> Like what am I? What are you turning on me?" And I will say, I love Travis Kelsey. I love New Heights. I've always loved him. This whole Justin Tucker smear campaign that's going on, I'm glad that Mitch didn't stick on it too much. I don't I don't get it. I don't enjoy it. He's one of the most well-liked and has never been complained about. People are going after him. I don't know. I'm not happy about that part. But at the end of the day, football is football. I'm not going to let it ruin my entire week. I'm happy for my friends that are Chiefs fans. You so. mean you're not going to throw an entire fit over Taylor Swift's involvement with Jason Kelsey and turn that into your reason to not watch the game on Sunday? No, and see, that's the other thing. Is Taylor I, Swift was booed at Bramwich Coliseum last night. What? That's because which is hilarious. Somebody, somebody had a cutout of her, just like one of those jumbo cutouts or whatever, mm-hmm. and it got a mixed reaction. It, it's hilarious because volleyball did an entire Taylor Swift night yeah. earlier mm-hmm. in the year. It made no sense that she got booed last night. It's still, I don't understand the hate. I really don't. I don't either. I don't get it. I've never bought into it. So, like, that part's never bothered me. The constant wins, winning, beating my favorite team, never been the Chiefs hater. But boy, those couple people that texted me on Sunday. My brain can't go there. It's like, how, how does a person being shown on TV bother you so much? I don't get it. You must have. What am I missing? Yeah, you have not a lot going on in your life. If that really bugs you, I'm like, I feel sorry for your everyday life, truthfully. Meanwhile, <laughs> oh, so, uh, we got three pretty big NFL fans in here that root for different teams. You know, of course, um, you yeah. know, I love the Cowboys or whatever, but you, everybody knows my story by now. Troy, oh. the Denver Broncos are seriously considering trading up to draft Caleb Williams. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, I'm, we'll keep that in. We'll give him one of those a week. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm trying we'll to, there. to understand. It comes down to this. With what money? With what money? Dude, weed is legal, man. It's the legalization of weed money. New ownership. There, yeah. there is still a salary cap in the league, and you just are about to take an 80 million hit annually because you were stupid and signed a guy for five years. No, I think they'll be able to offload that contract. <laughs> they, there's clunk- what? They got cash for clunkers. <laughs> why don't why does the NFL say, hey, you don't like that contract anymore? Trade it in. I got a Toyota, we got a Toyota Highlander here. It's just it's got 200,000 miles. Listen, if you're going to make the joke, at least make it a Ford Bronco, okay? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, let's ride. Ford Bronco. <laughs> Listen, Caleb Williams is like anybody but the, but the Bears. That, that, well, it, and, and that's a valid point. I mean. And that's what I heard. Which when, used to be the Browns. We kind of talked about last year. But, but honestly, does he want to play for Sean Payton? Eat him up. He would eat him up. I think Sean Payton would wouldn't mess with any of that. Yeah, that's. I I, I don't like this rumor. I this this smells odd. It's just odd mm. all the way around. We have KBC women's basketball tonight. They take on the Oklahoma Sooners as the Cats put the second longest winning streak in women's college basketball on the line. They are the number two team in the nation on both the AP and coaches poll. 20-1 and one is K-State's record, 9-0 and in Big 12 play. The Sooners are 13-6, and 7-1 in the conference. 
from the Lloyd Noble Center. Uh, K-State did win the first meeting already this year, um, and that was three weeks ago where K-State won that game. But now you don't have Aoka Lee. And I'll give you a real quick key to the game. Um, try to stop Skylar Van, who is going to be, I think, the top option to attack the paint. Get those paint touches. Go rebound. She's their leading rebounder at seven a game. She's their best scorer at 15 points a game. She's more of an inside scorer than she is an outside scorer. She's a 6-1-4. I think she's 6-1. But anyway, the thing is, Oklahoma doesn't have a ton of size. They do have talent. They have, they have not lost since playing K-State three weeks ago. They are second in the Big 12, so literally first place on the line in the Big 12 with tonight's game. It's a big game. Huge. That K-State's about to play without Aoka Lee. You, you start to think, does K-State's luck start to run out now with Aoka Lee not on the floor for you know roughly a month, roughly seven or eight games? They've played three, and they're 3-0, and but can they get it done at Oklahoma? My, thing, my thought is, if you can win at Baylor, you can win at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, it, it can absolutely be done. You know, K-State's size is so important with how well they play defense. Their reach. I mean, you have six-footers all over the place. You know, Oklahoma doesn't have the most size – this season. Ooh, eat them up. I mean, their, their tallest player, I believe, is Beatrice Culleton, who's 6'3", and she's a backup five who's averaging three points a game. But Skylar Van is a very good player, and she's one of the best in the Big 12 in scoring the basketball, and she's coming off a 21-point game in Oklahoma's last game. Boy, they just – another thing about Oklahoma, they play fast. Mm-hmm. They, they are, I think, the fastest-paced team – and include, if you look at the shot numbers, they get up shots, and I think they're the fastest-paced team in the country. Hmm. So K-State will have to try to shut that down without Aoka Lee, and they're going to have to step it up on defense, hit some shots. But this is a winnable game, no doubt about it. And then, of course, they have Texas this weekend. So it is a two-game road trip. That will not be easy. No. Will not be easy for K-State to keep this winning streak intact. Texas is going to be so amped for that game this weekend. You hope that there's not a lot of energy that has to be expended tonight going into that game. But, again, first things first. Well, and it's important to to, to look at as well, you know, Aokali scoring in the game three weeks ago against the Sooners – it took her a while to get going. She did not get going until the fourth quarter. Now, that was, of course, a big part of why K-State was um, able to pull away. K-State wins 74-57. And I'm trying to pull up the, the box score real quick because I can't remember exactly how, um, with the stat line, how Aokali finished the game. But she was the leading scorer with 19 points and six rebounds. And I think over 10 of that was in the fourth quarter. So that was a big part of the yeah. separation, and now Skyler Van in that first game was 14 points, 8 rebounds. So she's going to go get some rebounds. Can you try to sh- shut her down offensively in the paint, box her out? Because the, the players that are in for Yoki, taking her minutes while she's out, aren't as big and aren't as strong. They're, they're skinnier. They're not as mm-hmm. strong. You know, they're, you know – when you're trying to body somebody up defensively, they just don't have the strength to hold somebody off. And we saw that on Saturday against BYU with Gustin, and Gustin went off 
and yeah. she's six three, and she, you could tell from a distance that she gets in the weight room. Mm-hmm. So that's the big question. And tonight's tip off is just a few minutes after six o'clock, and we will join pregame coverage in about eight minutes. We'll wrap up the show next with Ask Us Anything after these words. Miss any of the show? Check out the Game Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and of course, News Radio KMAN.com. You're listening to The Game on News Radio KMAN. Two, one. It's 1350. It's KMAN. uh, That is correct. Got a lot going on here, boys. Uh, Would you rather Wednesday? Would you rather eat an entire raw onion or 10 Butterfingers king size candy bars? I know it's random. I'm in for the Butterfingers. Thank you. Man, both really have those side effects, right? Yeah, the Butterfingers getting caught in your teeth. Yeah, you just, boy, I'm okay with Butterfingers. I love Butterfingers. 10? But the thing, okay, hey, hey, so li- listen, I've got a Sonic here. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> so, raw onion will make you cry. Yeah. yeah. I don't like to cry when I eat. Oh. So, I'm going I'm to go candy bars. Dude, I'm going to go Butterfingers. Your A1C skyrocketing as we speak. I think I'm going to have to agree with the guys on this one. Now, if I could just slap a bun around this whole raw onion. You know, maybe. Hey, listen. Dress it up a little bit. Maybe you could talk me into it. If but. you, if you, if that's what it took to watch you eat a whole onion, if you had to put two buns on there and maybe some ketchup, I'm cool with that. Go right ahead. I might, I might do it at that point, but it's definitely going to need some dressing up. If the I old could. days of having to literally hand make the onion rings at Sonic on a Sunday morning after being out at the. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Butterfingers every day. That's you know, have you ever been in that spot where you're eating and you, you're crying at the same time? Out of like, uh, like, well, okay, yeah, embarrassment. I, I, I think that was me on Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> you're eating your dominoes, meanwhile you're trying not to cry. Yeah, <laughs> in my car. This, this salsa's a little wet. <laughs> Uh, we got about 90 seconds. You have another question? Dude, I got... You want another question? I got another question, man. Would you rather be um, a Boston College fan right oh. now or yeah. a, uh, a DePaul basketball fan right now? Oh. Boston College is losing their head coach to become the D coordinator for the Packers because he just wants to coach football. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the college game, ladies and gentlemen. Man, it's tough to cheat at Boston College with the academic standards. (laughs) It's so high. Um, I I would rather be a Boston College fan because at least there's a chance that you're still going to accomplish something. Do you know how bad DePaul basketball has been? Bad. Bad. I remember there was a time where like DePaul was actually a uh, sure a they had Chicago name. they had yeah. Chicago players, but Rod Strickland's not walking through that door. Hey, they came to they came to Bramlage when we made the NIT one year and beat the brakes yeah. off of K State. Yeah. Man, I'll never forget that. Awful. We're done. We're out here at five thirty with K State women's basketball coming up next. Brian Smoller, Randy Peterson on the broadcast as they take on the Oklahoma Sooners. The Cats looking for the season sweep down in Norman from the Lloyd Noble Center.
That's going to wrap it up for the show. For Owen, DG, Troy, I'm Mitch. Enjoy the broadcast. Go Cats!